Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by the Rhode Island Blood Center and Mother Earth Wellness. I am your host, John Fusick. Today, we have guitarist, songwriter, singer, and record producer, Steve Hackett. Steve is best known for his time with Genesis and GTR. He is out on tour with his Genesis Revisited, Fox Trot at 50, and Hackett Highlights Tour. Steve Hackett will be at the Guard Theater in New London on October 13th, and the Strand Theater in Providence on October 17th.
Hello, is that John? Yes, it is. Is this Steve? Steve, yes. How are you doing? All right. How are you today? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Busy day. Busy day. I got to finish this podcast and then head out for my own gig. All right. Okay. Yeah, oh, wow. Well, we better talk fast then, I guess. <laughs> well, I have till 3.30, so I'm good, but it's oh, just... okay. I started out when I first joined Genesis all those years ago, uh, they said, you don't mind if, if you sit down to play, do you? And I said, no, that, that's fine, because everyone in the band sat down in those days to play, mm. apart from the singer who was the show. Right. Basically, we did the music, he did the show. That was, that was how it was when it was Peter Gabriel. Times change, of course. I learned how to play standing up as well. Well, for the most part, when I play in my band, I play standing up. But when I do, like tonight, I'll be sitting down because it's a solo cover gig. And, you know, it's relaxed. So, I, I, you know, I play for three hours without taking a break. So I just, you know. Three hours. My God, how do you do that? (laughs) It's endurance. I just push myself through it all the time. But it makes it go by faster. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well. You must enjoy it, or you wouldn't put yourself through that. Oh, no, I do enjoy it. I've been doing this. I've been playing for 50 years now, so... You've been playing for 60, haven't you? I've been playing, actually, since I was two years old, I was playing harmonica. I was serious about it even then, which might sound... doesn't sound like that's possible, but... But I, but I do, and I do remember. My mother said you used to play the same tune over and over again when you were a kid, and I said I remember what I was trying to do. I was trying to isolate the notes on mm. harmonica so that I could play a melody. That's hard to and do. Then the I've had, came along. I've had Sorry? a hard time. I have a hard time doing that in harmonica. I usually hit a couple of notes at the same time. Yeah, that's the thing. You see, that's it. That's it. It's all about being able to isolate the notes, and then it's the same with every instrument, of course, isn't it? Mm, you know? It is. Imagine if a pianist could only ever hit a clump of notes at once. Right. I guess. Uh, yeah. So, Although there are there there are some there are some singers called Bob Dylan who go for the clump of notes every time and don't really worry whether whether there's uh, <laughs> he he plays it with joy. That's the main thing, isn't it? It's yeah, an expression of joy. That's true. I. I don't know if I saw you in... Con- I saw Genesis once in the 70s, and I think it was around 77. I think it was the Trick of the Tail tour. Right. Were yep. you still on that tour? Uh, yeah, we'd be doing Trick of the Tail around about 76. So it was it possibly 76. It, it, there would have been some tunes from it that we were performing in 77, so it could have been either of those years. Yeah, I was definitely still with them then. Oh, good. I mean, yes, Phil had sir. just started singing front a lead at that point. Right. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's that's um. Well, he'd been singing when he was a kid. He was before the drums became a professional uh, uh, pastime. He was he was singing on stage uh, in Lionel Bart Oliver. Oh uh, yeah, I remember that. Of, of the Artful Dodger. So he was already you know a, a veteran even when he was a kid. That's true. I do remember that. Because I, I was a fan of prog rock in the 70s a lot. I loved Yes and Kansas and King Crimson and, you know, ELP, all that prog rock. And I got to see Genesis that time. And I just remember watching and Phil Collins was running back and forth between the microphone and the drum set all night. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's fantastic the way he was able to do that. He used to say, you guys all get to, to have a break in between numbers. But he said that I'm with... He said, I, I need to be on mic at that point. I need to be the MC. So, you know, again, I think a lot of it was self-imposed and he wanted to come across with dynamism and he sure did. So mm. He was a brilliant performer, a great drummer, 
and singer and front man. He was just very, very good. I mean, almost like out of a music hall tradition. Mm. Um, his mother ran a, a stage school, so he could um, he could tap dance. He could do all sorts of things. And you you left Genesis in '77 to pursue your solo career. Yeah. Now that's right. Peter Gabriel had already left Genesis by that point. Was his departure any influence on your departure? Um, I think that, you know, I tried to persuade Pete to stay with the band, and I was unsuccessful because I loved him, and uh, his ideas were, were great. They were great then, they're great now. The idea of him going, I think, was as if an ally in the band as had left, you know, a fellow experimenter. So the band felt like a smaller place, I have to say, without him. But I didn't have any old, I didn't have any problem with the music. For me, the crux of the matter was I wanted to make solo albums. Basically, I was restricted from doing that. If I, if I wanted to stay with the band, they said, you know, you've got to give yourself to us exclusively. And I wasn't prepared to do that. I thought, no, hang on, music is my master, not this band even though it might be the best band in the world, even if it had been the Beatles, if that had been the contract signed in blood, I would say, sorry, I've got to tear up that contract and, and do the thing that's right for my soul, which is to play the kind of music that I want to play, work with other people, explore what happens next. So the first thing I was doing was working with some black American performers. I was working with Richie Havens, Randy Crawford. Uh, Richie Havens was working. great. I, I love that guy. He was yeah. amazing. Oh, Richie was just, just brilliant. Uh, I played a couple so of gigs did, with him, but you know, back did you? About, yeah, about 25 years ago. I did a couple of shows with him. He's great. Well, that great guy, and, 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 and what a performer, and what a voice. Oh, and, yeah, um, amazing. We we looked up to him. You know, we, we Genesis guys were fans of, of his, so I, I befriended him. We did some wonderful stuff together. Oh, yeah, he was a super nice um, guy and very into doing things with other people, too, which was really yes, nice. Yes, he was. He was, he was a, a super nice guy, and uh, I'm sure he's out there somewhere in the universe, his soul, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very accomplished. Mm. So I, I, saw, I saw that one of your, it's kind of like your mantra is that you play what you want to play, and that was your whole thing about your music, is that you want to be able to play what you want to play, and that uh, a song called Walking from Rainbows was kind of an influence, was influenced by that kind of, you know, personal uh, rule or whatever it is? Yeah, I think, yeah, that that one was was a kind of description of the fact that sometimes, you know, there, there might be beautiful things that you have to leave behind in order to find some other other treasure, shall we say. You know, not so much the, the gold at the, at the end of the rainbow, but the road less traveled to find out what lies ahead, what other gems, you know, the, the real fruit that might be out there at, you, at the end of the tree. Well, yeah. you certainly have done it. I mean, you've put out probably more than any Genesis alumni. You've got like 30 albums, at least, if probably more. I mean, you've recorded tons of stuff. I mean, that's just your solo stuff, plus the GTR um, and the collaborative stuff. I mean, you've got a lot of stuff out there. I, I have worked with a lot of people. Um, I've often shown up on people's albums, and people say to me, oh, I really like that stuff that you did with Sunso, and I'll be hard-pushed to even remember the album, because <laughs> what will happen is that I'll be recording it at home with, with, with Roger King, and my wife, she'll say, oh, you, you promised this guy that you'd be on his album or this band. And I'll say, okay, but, you know, we're hard pushed. So I might do something. I I, I might do a, 
a solo straight off and um, don't spare the horses, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I'll forget about it. And then down the line, it'll be someone saying, ah, yes, you worked with so-and-so. And I'll just nod my head <laughs> and go, yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. Not it's... remembering a thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But uh, I, I do it because I like to encourage people. If I can do it, I'll do it. If I can fit in, in within the time, I will. And I, I, I've got this theory about about musicians that, that they all play better with praise. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you tell someone they're really good, even if they're absolutely lousy, they will improve. It's no good shouting at people or putting them down. I don't think it really works. I think that set someone a task by all means and say, well, if you can play this in six months, then you know you will have you know you will have qualified in my book. Uh, let's see if you can do it. And I, I, I think I'd come on leaps and bounds in, in uh, no time at all. Hmm. Well, you started playing. You taught yourself how to play guitar, didn't you? Yes, I did. But but that means that every other guitarist that I ever saw who was doing something interesting immediately became my guitar teacher. I I would take things from. Segovia, from Jimi Hendrix, from from everybody, believe me. Well, that's learning. I mean, imitation is the uh, the highest form of uh, flattery. And uh, what's, yeah. that, what's that uh, phrase that says, you know, lesser artists borrow, greater artists steal? Oh, well, I think so. I think, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you have to. You have to be, you're part of something. You know, you, you make a noise for a living. You're part of a greater whole. I didn't invent music. Music was there before I showed up, and it'll still be going when I pop my clogs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what, that's the whole point. Well, one thing that is is notable about you is your uh, your guitar tapping technique that Eddie Van Halen actually got from you. But did you invent that, or did you get that from somebody else? I didn't get that from anybody else. No, I was trying to play a. A, a guitar phrase one day that sounded vaguely like something that J.S. Bach might have used on on um, Takata and Fugue, for instance. And I thought the best way to be able to play this is really on on one string. I can make I can make a jump that isn't really possible if I'm going across strings. So I started to use that on a solo I did on the very first Genesis album that I, I worked on. Uh, the album was called Musical Box. So the track was called Musical Box and uh, the album was called Nursery Crime. So I used it on, on Musical Box, the first track, and I used it on the third track, which was Return of the Giant Hogweed, because we used to write songs about hogweeds and things <laughs> back in the day. Seemed, uh, <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, and, uh, it all worked. So, yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, Tony Banks and I, we used to do, if I was tapping, he would sometimes do something in harmony with me. So we had this kind of thing where I think I was trying to sound like a keyboard player and he was trying to sound like a guitarist. So <laughs> we had this third thing going, which was something that would crop up every now and again. And it was always a brilliant a brilliant moment when it when it when it happened. Well, those are the moments in music that are, are what's memorable when things like that happen kind of spontaneously or happen on purpose. They still are memorable and they they define sounds. And you know you can't 
certain people have a certain chemistry between each other and they can just, you know, it, it's almost like a, I, sometimes I say use the force, they use the force between each other. And, you know, it's just like, it's an intuitive thing that you develop with other players. Yes, I think so. One of the things that attracted me to Genesis even before I joined them was the fact that I was listening to their second album, Fox, uh, not Fox, Freudian Slip, it was Trespass. And Peter Gabriel said, oh, check out the track called uh, let me see. It was the first track on side two. Um, the, the name of it will come to me, but the, <laughs> the thing is, it was Stagnation was the name of the track. And I I thought, I was listening to this with, with my brother. You know, in those listening booths they used to have in, uh, in record shops back right, in right. the old days. We couldn't work out if we were hearing guitar or keyboard. And that was a very good start. It turns out it was a lot of 12 strings all playing together. Sometimes we used three 12 strings. Sometimes, you know, chiming away with keyboard as well. And we do that with my band as well. We use, we sometimes use 12 strings, sometimes it's six strings, sometimes variax, and, and then it'll be keyboard, sometimes keyboard impersonating guitar, vice versa. But that sort of masked chiming effect that, that um, characterized the early Genesis was, was important to us. And then there was John Lennon saying that he thought that Genesis were true sons of the Beatles. Hmm. Um, for that 70s stuff so I was very proud of the fact that he used to get the album sent over to him in New York from nursery crime onwards so it's very interesting hmm. all of that and, and then you uh, hooked up with uh, Steve Howe for GTR and, yes and uh, I was just watching the video I I remember that band. I, I it was only around for a very short period, but I remember the song that you had out. How do you yeah. feel, how do you feel about supergroups? What do you think about supergroups? There've been a lot of them over the well, years. Well, we had. Um, I, I don't know if, if we we should have been described as as as, as a supergroup because uh, we were working with young guys who were not you know X E L P or Yes or or or, or what have you. Um, well, you had you and Steve Howe were the two heavy hitters, two guitar players we, from we, two like legendary prog bands. Yeah, I, I think, and, and Arista did a great job, uh, uh, Clive Davis did a great job promoting that album. We had a hit with When the Heart Rules the Mind. I did a re-record in recent times with Steve Rollery of uh, Marillion, hmm. and um, the, the song still sounds very good, I have to say, and I do like harmony harmony singing and all of that so it, it had that and it had it had the instrumental hook to it as well which kicked the thing off so i think it's a good tune so i'm very proud of that now you did you did some work with your brother as well as a flute player now do you still work yeah. with him uh, yes i do yeah funnily enough i've just done a new album a studio album and he's on that as well sounding great he's a brilliant player still sounds brilliant i think his tone got stronger and stronger as he as he continued on so he does that scat flute thing as well as classical stuff. So, you know, he'll he'll go recording bits of classical stuff, much the same as I do. Occasionally, you know, there'll be a, a classical album in there. We've done some Eric Satie, done some Bach between us, various things. It's not all rock and roll, but rock is really... I think that's my day job. And then I moonlight and, and do the other thing. Well, you've and played... No I mean, longer... I mean, talk about supergroup. You've played with orchestras like the London Symphony Orchestra and other chamber orchestras. You've done some well, amazing work with orchestras. I mean, that's that's. A I, big... I was very lucky that the band that I, I was in um, a year before Genesis was called Quiet World, and they gave us the London Symphony Orchestra to uh, do our, our one and only album with. And uh, I've worked with the Royal Philharmonic, and I've worked with other orchestras as well, and um, many of them have been very very good 
they don't like being drowned out by guitarists though, or drummers. So there's always there's always the aspect of provided we can keep them happy, provided they can hear themselves, provided we aren't too loud on the stage, there's a good chance of keeping everyone happy. Well, I have a classically trained violinist in my band, so I know what it's like to play with the classical players. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and so it just wants you to turn down, right? Right. Right. Let's talk about your show. That it's you're playing this show. That's the uh, the Fox Trocket Fifty Hackett Highlights and Genesis Revisited. Yep. That's a quite of uh, yep. that's a quite involved show. So you're going to be playing the Fox Trot yeah. album, the whole the whole album. Yeah, we did the whole album. Uh, Genesis never performed the whole of Fox Trot, and I take great pride in being able to do that album in its entirety because I think it's one of the two best albums from the classic period of Genesis. It was the first album we did that went to number one. It's a funny thing, you know, it's, I think that one and Selling England by the Pound are probably, if I had to select two songs, two albums from Genesis, it would be those, those two. And I think Fox Trot, for its breadth, where you have material that's influenced by everything from science fiction on with the with the opening track, Water of the Skies, to... Um, Love that song, by track the way. I, yeah, and, and then there's um, Horizons, which is just a, a, a 90-second burst of, of, of acoustic guitar, which is really influenced by the length of pieces that they did with early music, and, and an influence of Bach in there, of course, you know, variation on one of the, the cello suites. So you get that the sort of futuristic thing, and then, uh, and then the kind of the archaeological approach mm. of, of going back. So that album has got some pretty deep roots and some high branches. This sounds like a pretty lengthy show. It sounds like it's going to be a long is, show, yeah. which is good. It, it, is, it, it is a long show, uh, but you know we, we have a break in the middle. We do the solo stuff, then we take a 15 or 20-minute break, then we do the, the uh, Foxtrot stuff, and, and we tend to include some other Genesis things, and I can I throw in a few things of my own at the same time, seamlessly, so that we, we keep the show rolling. Uh, it is a very good show. They are a very, very good band. I think it's the best band I've ever played with. Um, Who's handling the vocals? Great players. Yeah, we have Nad Silvan on vocals, who's Swedish-American. He handles the Peter Gabriel era stuff, the Phil Collins era stuff. He also does a great impression of Richie Haven's a fantastic singer you know he's got that sort of brass like quality that, that, that rock singers have it's a it's a big voice it's stentorian brass like well that's a good thing now i i noticed on your website i mean you play an array of interesting instruments besides guitar one of the one of the things i saw that you had a picture of you playing a six string guitar i'm strixing banjo and i play one of those as well and i right. i get a lot of shit for playing a 16 six string banjo because they say it's not a really real banjo and i get all kinds of flack about it but i like the six string banjo i think it's a very cool instrument well yeah i've i've I haven't touched it in recent times, but then I've had my fingers around the, the Arabian Erd mandolin recently I, I got, and uh, I I love the sound of that. Um, the charango, which is Peruvian, that's a beautiful sound as well. And the koto, or rather the Vietnamese version of the koto, is called a dine chime, which sounds beautiful, like an oriental harp. Pentatonic scale, five-note scale, three octaves, sounds beautiful. It's a wonderful instrument, and it's on... If anyone wants to hear it, the good effect, it's on um, a track called From Shanghai to Samarkand, which is on the album 
Oh, what's it called now? Surrender of Silence. One of one of the two albums I did in lockdown. How do you remember with all the albums that you have? How do you you must have a great memory to remember which tracks or which on albums because that's that's a lot of material. I mean, you're talking it, you yeah, know, hundreds of uh, songs. Uh, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> there's a great quote from somebody. I'm trying to remember it. it, it redundancy of information compensates for noisiness of channel. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. If you can't remember where the hell you live, you know, I don't know. I don't always remember things when you live out of a suitcase you know you, you've got to expect a few cracks from time to time that's that's how it is but i do it because i love it i'm still making a noise for a living so where are you now where are you calling me from now i'm calling from london england oh okay i thought you because um, you're i looked at your tour schedule it's insane you're on the road until like april of next year and you're pretty you're i know pretty it, 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 i know i know i know i i <laughs> I, I, I am in i am insane i am <laughs> I should be locked up. Instead, they let me loose on <laughs> on the world stage. What can I tell you? Well, it's but a good then thing. you sound like you're a bit of a workaholic yourself, yes, from what you're saying. Yes, yes. Well, it's a good thing you're out there playing. It's like one of the things I read, Keeper of the Flame of the Early Genesis work. So that's a good thing. Well, because... uh, other people have said that. But, you know, I, I would say that I put the fire back into Genesis. That's for sure. You know, it, it was a fiery band at one time. And uh, I think I'd like to keep it that way. Yeah, I mean, I love the early stuff. I, I'm not a big fan of the later stuff, but, you know, po I mean, post you, but the early stuff with Peter Gabriel and you and the original lineup, that, that stuff is amazing. I love that stuff. That's, you know, that's where, well, that's the genesis I like. I, I, and that's the genesis I like, too. So I'm, gl I'm glad you, you, you appreciate that. That's, uh, well, I it's... Think it's it's when music was interesting. It was like you didn't yeah. you really took the constraints off of music, and you didn't do a three minute and thirty second song. I mean, uh, you know, you've got "Supper's Ready" is twenty three minutes long. I mean, that's that's great that yeah. you have a twenty three minute song. I mean, I love stuff like that. The perfect length for a hit single, I thought. <laughs> um, others would uh, argue against that. Well, God knows why. I mean, I like songs like that. Like Pink Floyd's Dogs is uh, 17 and a half minutes long. I mean, that's a great song, but you can't, you'd never right. be able to do that song in three and a half minutes. And you'd never be able to do Supper's <clears throat> Ready in three and a half minutes. I mean, it, it takes a no. while. It's like a classical, like a, an orchestral movement. I mean, it it takes a while for the so for the piece to develop. That's right. You, you, you just have to, you know, um, allow that to happen. Uh, uh, if you're going to do one of those journeying songs, that's going to go on from one thing to to another. And if you can retain the audience's attention, then you've got something. I think it has to be partly visual as well. Mm. You know, there has to be something that I think that, that at the very least the lights have got to got to go with the music as well that's i think that's so important well that's you know. i noticed that funnily enough you're talking about kansas kansas had a, had a great light show when i was working with them all those years ago they had they had great lights that worked very very well that, that was very tight well that's all you had back then you had lights and that was that was enough i mean because it really is about the music nowadays you know, you get somebody like Taylor Swift who shows up with like, you know, a dozen tractor trailers and a stage that, you know, is bigger than most arenas. And and it's yeah. it's all about the stage show and it's less about the music, whereas the lights just enhance the music, whereas a stage show. I mean, Peter did stuff, but he did. It wasn't it was more organic than what they did. Uh, they're doing nowadays. Today, it's choreographed and 
there's you know computer syncing involved and it's all regimented to the same thing back then it was more organic and a lot of the antics were just spontaneous well i think that um songs can be visual without any external um visual stimulus uh, you, you just receive it internally i think that that's it something when people are producing something that's the kind of film for the ear you can make that work you can you, you can live the song i, I think it's something like procol harum a salty dog and you're right there beautiful orchestration wonderful lyric wonderfully sung just puts you in mind of the place and time you don't feel like you're having your, your buttons with that. Well, it's just, you know, music is an experience. It's it's a it's an oral experience, but it's also I mean, sometimes it's a visual experience when you get to watch the band play. I mean, for me being a guitar player, I enjoy watching the guitar player to see what they're doing. I want to see what the guitar player is doing. I want to see what everybody in the band is doing. That's that's what interests me too, besides the music, is how they're approaching it. Well, I agree. I agree. There's there's so many things that that brilliant players can do and you can be transfixed as I was watching Paul Butterfield playing the instrument that I thought I knew the, the, the harmonica and being blown away by his tone the vibrato the power of it it's good to be nailed to the back wall isn't it by somebody flat <laughs> it is it is by a, a truck you know with someone wielding an instrument that's no bigger than something you just stick in your pocket you know right. and it's just so powerful and somebody who can play it well I mean I I've I'm amazed by people who can really control the harmonica because I, I mean, I've been blowing in it for years, but I'm just, you know, I'm like the Dylan harmonica, breathe in, breathe out, move your mouth, no? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenging instrument. It but is, very um, much. It, it is a very expressive instrument. Do you use it so on stage I, anymore, or you just, it's just... I, I haven't been playing it in recent times live, but I've been recording with it. Now, my only problem is I'm suddenly late for my next date. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have uh, gotten there four minutes ago, I guess, or three um, minutes, something I, like that. I apologize. Well, but I look forward I, to seeing you. Yeah, me too. And, and good I, luck with your with your show. Good uh, luck with your gig tonight. Well, thank you very okay. much, and I apologize for taking more of your time. Oh, that's no problem. <laughs> no problem. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers.
Okie dokie. Thanks to Steve Hackett for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Steve Hackett will be at the Guard Theater in New London on October 13th. It's a very quick drive from Rhode Island in Ezita Park. The Guard is a beautiful theater in downtown New London. Also, he will be at the Strand Theater in Providence on October 17th. For more, don't wait until supper's ready. Just get to hackettsongs.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-T-T-S-O-N-G-S dot com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by the Rhode Island Blood Center and Mother Earth Wellness. Thanks for listening. Thank you.